You're listening to another episode of the Young Investors Podcast, so sit back and relax as myself, Brandon, and my buddy Hamish discuss the latest in the world of finance and stock market investing. Now, a quick reminder before we get into the podcast is that nothing in this podcast should be taken on as personal financial advice. If you're ever unsure about your finances or investing and you need some help, make sure you reach out to a qualified financial advisor. But with all that said, let's get into another episode of the Young Investors Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, Hamish. Yet another episode of the Young Investors Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Another week here. I feel like every week now I have to give a little bit of an update on our, our lo- my lockdown situation. So Yeah, true. Um, How's it going? Yeah, it's going well. Cases are still going down. Nothing has changed, though. Oh, that's as good. Of yet, so. That's good. Yeah. I haven't been paying attention to it. So, oh, that's good. Hopefully, well, I guess, uh, yeah, hopefully that the reduction in cases leads to, a, a, a you know, easing restrictions. So, yeah. Fingers crossed for you, mate. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I saw something the other day that said, so a month ago, the 14-day average for cases was about 460 cases or something per day. Um, and the last 14 days from today has been about 49. So, um, oh, okay. It's come down dramatically, but yep. um, yeah, nothing's really changed in terms of the restrictions yet. So we'll see what happens. I think we're expected to be in restrictions for quite some time. So, um, right, yeah, it's not, not going to be. How's the vibe down in Melbourne? Are people? I, mean, uh, I don't know. I haven't been out. So. Oh, right. <laughs> no, I think everyone's just. I mean, everyone's just a bit. I guess. Um, I don't know. Tedious. A little bit itching to just you know go out and, and socialize with other people. I think. Right. Um, but. Yeah. Other than that, I don't really, don't really know. I'm. Can you have anyone excited. over to your house? No, not at all. Um, oh right, not at all. Yeah, not at all. Yeah. So. So you can't really meet up with anyone. Yeah. So the only way you can is you can exercise with one other person outside of your house. So you could uh, organize to meet someone. But with that being said, you also can't go further than uh, a five kilometer radius from your house. So that person oh also gosh. has to be your two, if you can kind of imagine two circles on, on a map, like they have to yeah. overlap and you have to work yeah. within that area. So, yeah. yeah. It's like you have to go on a run with John. And then when you're on your run with John, you have to say, hey, can you tell Amelia this for me and then he'll have to go on a run with Amelia and then Amelia will pass on the <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like a Venn diagram. You've got to meet in the middle yeah. and you've got this little oval that you can operate yeah. with. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, it's been very strange though. Certainly. Certainly a very different year from any other that I've experienced. Oh, that's for sure. It's just been bizarre, hasn't it? Yeah. It's going to feel weird when it's not like this anymore, you know. It'd feel weird. Like, imagine just being able to hop on a plane and, and go to Europe. Yeah, I know. It's, it, I, that's what I've been saying. I, I think because I think a lot of what we experience is, is and I guess how we feel about the things that we experience is relative, right? So, when everything is opened up, I feel like everything, even really simple things are going to feel so good. Um, yeah. Just being able to just drive down to the beach and have fish and chips or something, for example, is just going to exactly, be yeah. such a dramatic change from what we've had over the past six or eight months or whatever. So, yeah. It's wow. A, it's a strange world. <laughs> anyway, um, on on topic, we do have a fair few news stories to we talk do. about today. So, we'll be discussing the Apple uh, event that happened recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, US Fed's been doing some stuff. Uh, interesting story, which we might get up to next. Mm. Um, but then after that, more news on Virgin Australia. Yes. Another travel company is now in administration. And we got some interesting stuff about jobs numbers as well. So... Yeah. We've got a lot to get through, so let's get stuck into it, hey? Yeah, for sure. And first of all, today's episode is sponsored by ShareSite. So, ShareSite is an application that I've been using over the past few years in order to track the performance of my stock portfolio. Um, and you can use ShareSite in order to keep track of your capital gains, dividends. If you have dividend reinvestment plans, then it will do all of those calculations for you. Currency gains, if you are buying shares internationally or you just hold foreign currencies. And then the main reason why I use it is when it comes to tax. Tax time. So, ShareSite generates up to 10 different reports that can be used at tax time to easily work out things such as your capital gains, dividend income, and more. Uh, and at the moment, you can try ShareSite for free by heading over to sharesite.com forward slash young investors. That's site spelled S I G H T, sharesite.com forward slash young investors. Uh, and if you want to sign up to a paid plan, you can also use that link to get four months free 
when you sign up to a yearly subscription. So there's a free plan. Go check it out. You can use it for as long as you want. If you want to upgrade, you can also get four months free by using that link. Awesome. Let's start off with something something interesting, mm. <laughs> something to lift the spirits. How about how about this? Did you know that a thirty gram piece of plastic now costs a hundred thousand dollars? I, I do That's know. That's the going. It's a. It's, it's <laughs> the going rate for plastic these days. It's a. It's <laughs> how ridiculous! It's a strange this. world where was, the, the free yeah. market allows that to happen. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, I was talking to Hamish a little bit about this just before we started podcasting today, and um, we're we're following on eBay. This is uh, an one of those Woolworths collectible ushies. Is that even how you say it? I don't know. I think that's how you say it. Maybe we should explain what these are to people who are not in Australia as well. Because well, yeah. as far as I understand it, they're these little, it's like a Disney promotion that they're mm-hmm. doing with Woolworths. Which is a supermarket. Uh, just a supermarket. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think you spend a certain amount on your shopping and that gives you, you know, a certain number of ushies. And there are these different ones and, you know, the idea is that you spend a lot of money at Woolworths and you collect all the ushies. But um, so, they're all these different Disney characters, right? And I don't know, have you seen The Mandalorian, that TV show? Yes, I have. Yeah, great yeah, show. Yeah. So, yeah, very, there's a- very there's excited a, for, um, uh, for season two coming out in about a month, I think. Yeah, it's uh, not far away, actually, mm. which is pretty exciting. There was actually a trailer released the other day. I thought it looked oh, pretty cool. I haven't seen that yet. I'll have to check it out. Um, but anyway, there's this character, I'm sure you, you know- I'm sure most people know who Baby Yoda is at this point in time. (laughs) (laughs) The technical name is The Child from The Mandalorian. There is this special collectible piece of plastic that is not even that amazing, to be honest, (laughs) and it's tiny. And uh, this is a special one, very special, because it's wearing a little furry outfit and uh, currently, you can go and buy one on eBay for ninety nine thousand nine hundred Australian dollars. <laughs> eBay is saying enter a hundred thousand dollars or more to place the next bid. That's the next there is, bid. There's ninety eight bids on this thing. Yeah, let's have a look. Let's see, see what. How when did, did this, it jump? How did when this start? It? So this started. So it started at a hundred dollars. Wow. So, this person's wow. just listed this at $100, probably thinking, 100%. and I, I think, I think that, is, is there anything unique about this one compared to the other, because I assume there's other Baby yeah. Yoda Ushis, little The only thing things. was, I think that it's, it's fur, it's got that furry coat. I think that's right. the only thing. So, it, so, it's got some difference and we're not sure yeah. if that's intended by Woolworths, a supermarket or not. Um, but mm. this person's listed this at $100. Imagine that. You list this at $100 yeah. just thinking, you know what? Let's just list this. Obviously, it's worthless to the person who's, I mean, it doesn't produce. Clearly. As Warren Buffett would say, it doesn't produce anything. So, yeah. uh, list, list <laughs> it for $100, get something out of it. And then, wow. Let's see how quickly it went up to like a couple thousand. So it's going 100, 200, 600, 1,000. Then it went from 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. Yeah. And then once it jumped, where did it jump? <clears throat> well, it got oh, to- yeah, here we go. So it got up to about 15,000 and it went 18, then up to 20. Then it went straight from 20,000 to 30,000, wow. straight from 30,000 to 50,000, then to 78,000. And now it's just slowly been powering up from about 80,000 up towards the hundred. Holy smokes. It's crazy. It went from a hundred to 10,000. In a day, in 24 hours. Imagine that. Oh you list, you list this little hunk of plastic. <laughs> 24 hours later, you're $10,000 richer. And now wow. another four days later, you're $100,000 richer. Presum- You've turned a, a simple shopping trip into a $100,000 adventure. Genius. Presuming you that can get genius. the money out of the person who's, who's bidding this and that they, <laughs> they actually yeah. end up buying it. True. <laughs> True. No, that's crazy. Oh my gosh. It's, it's so like there are so many things you could spend a hundred grand on. I mean, this would literally weigh all of what, 30 grams. Yeah. It'd be this tiny little 30 gram figure that's, you know, just pumped out of some factory somewhere and it's worth a hundred grand. Anyway, oh my gosh. I just wonder, like, if if any of those bids are legitimate, I just wonder who who's doing that. 
Oh, yeah, who's it, got it, the money is to it just burn? someone with an outrageous amount of money that just, you know, that's what you do when you have a lot of money and, and you're bored. You just you just browse eBay for ridiculous things. And yeah. You bid 100000 on that. Oh, I want that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. Very strange. Crazy. Anyway, we should probably get to the news proper. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not really got anything to do with. Should we talk about the Apple event? Yeah, yeah, we should. Yeah. So, this happened, what, a couple of days ago from when we were recording this. Um, and this is a yearly event that Apple does where they release um, some of their new products and services. Um, it was a little bit underwhelming this year compared to, to previous years, I think. There wasn't so many releases, but um, I mean, there's a couple of notable things um, that have come out, so we can sort of discuss those. Um, yeah. The first was they, they released an update to the Apple Watch. So they released the Apple Watch Series 6 um, and their kind of headline that they're going with the biggest change in this new Apple Watch is that you can now measure blood oxygen, oxygen levels. Um, right, okay. So that's kind of, I guess, one of the major updates and they're really pushing towards having a, a, a watch that is, um, I guess, fitness related um, mm. and that can be used to track all sorts of vitals and, and things that would be necessary um, mm. if you're really into your fitness. Honestly, it's not something that I know much about really at all um, about tracking this kind of thing. But I think you're right. I think that what you say, Apple, when they announced or first released the Apple Watch, they didn't like maybe they had a vision, but they weren't really sure where it kind of sat because Mm. it was a brand new kind of thing, this whole smartwatch uh, industry. But I think now that they now that they've had what six generations, they they've realized that the way that they make their watch really good and what people want is a, a watch that can be a really good fitness tracker, mm. you know, life tracker, um, health tracker, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, because I'm- I don't know, do, do people even use their Apple watches for messaging and for calls that much? Like I know it's a feature, but I feel like from, I don't, I don't have an Apple watch, but mm. from the friends that I have and the people that I've talked to that do have one, it seems like the number one functionality that people are using is for fitness tracking or health tracking. Yeah. I mean, that seems to be, I, I really don't know. I think, I mean, I, I have a, I have an Android one. I, it's, um, it's uh, I've, I've blanked on what brand it is, but um, I, I got mine specifically because I wanted something to to run with, something to track fitness with, and I think that's probably right. like the major that would have to be the major connection for, or like at the major like driver, I guess, for people buying a, a smartwatch, right? Like if the, if you took a survey mm. of all the people who bought a smartwatch, I don't think that you would get an overwhelming amount of people who would say, oh, I mostly wanted it for the notifications or so that I can, <laughs> yeah. I can feel when I'm getting a call vibrate on my wrist. Like it's probably related to the fitness side for most people, I would think. Yeah. I would think at least. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, but, I, I, yeah. I think so. I think so. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, in, it's an interesting um, kind of space, I guess, because you have some brands where it's entirely fitness based, right? And it's got, it's really, it doesn't have any connection to your, to your smartphone or anything. And then you have an Apple watch, which is kind of trying to be both. It's an extension of your phone. Um, but mm. it's also, um, like kind of like a Fitbit. It's kind of like tracking your, your, your vitals yeah. as well. So, yeah, I don't know. I've never been, um, I haven't really watched Apple, watched Apple watches <laughs> very closely. <laughs> so it's not something I'm, I'm too um, familiar with, but they also announced a, uh, I guess a budget version. So they started doing, I'm not sure when they started doing this with the iPhones, but they started releasing these iPhone SEs, uh, maybe three years mm. ago or something like that, two years ago. Um, and that's basically just a budget iPhone. They put some cheaper components in it and it's, it's kind of for the person who doesn't really care about having the, the latest um, features right. or whatever. Um, and they also announced a version of the watch, uh, watch SE, oh, okay. which is kind of a budget version um, of the watch. Um, so that, that's go. kind of what they announced around the watch. But I guess following on from that, um, the, I think this is probably the biggest announcement that they had from the event was the release of or the the future release of fitness plus um so this is another service uh, that they're okay. providing um really leaning into the services i've, I've noticed apple yeah recently yeah definitely <laughs> better margins so <laughs> and i mean everyone's already got the hardware or like they've probably captured as much of the hardware as they as they can and they've mm. tried to do that over the past few decades. Yeah. Um, so now just kind of leaning into the software. But um, Fitness Plus is something that's coming a little bit later this year. Um, I saw that it was $80 a year. I think that's US dollars. Um, and uh, it's basically kind of like a Netflix of, 
of fitness videos. So there, okay. there's these, this is from what I can tell at least, um, you kind of get these virtual workouts um, of, di- of different sorts, I'm sure. Um, and it's all, yep. the idea is that it's all synced up to um, your smartwatch and basically you'll have your smartwatch on that will be tracking your heart rate, your calories and, um, you know, blood oxygen levels. And all of that can then be displayed on your TV. If you have an Apple TV device, then you can, you can obviously watch the workouts on your TV and it's all supposed to be nicely synced together, basically. Um, because as far as I'm aware, at the moment, there's a lot of independent creators on YouTube and other platforms where they have their own kind of fitness videos and you kind of just, you pay for a subscription or whatever, and you watch YouTube videos and you use that as your home fitness um, mm, kind of uh, yep, yep. help or whatever. Um, this is kind of just a nice, neater sort of package, I guess, mm. um, that Apple's been able to put together. And I guess it, it goes back to what we we're just talking about, how Apple's trying to lean into lean into the fitness space a little bit more. I mean, this yeah. makes perfect sense. I mean, they have the Apple Watch, the big improvements there this time around. We're in the health and the fitness monitoring aspects of it. And, and now they're, you know, they're pushing things one step further and actually introducing this whole fitness plus kind of subscription service. And I can see it. I mean, it's, it's also like um, perfect timing for Apple as well to do something like this. I wonder whether the, the lockdown conditions have, mm. have really pushed Apple to work more quickly to get this up and running because, I mean, a lot of people would, well, a lot of people are kind of staying home more than what they normally would. A lot of people have Apple Watches already, even from before the lockdown. So, maybe, uh, maybe they kind of said, right, Fitness Plus, we need to get this done yeah. so that we can get it out there so that people at home, they've got the Apple Watches, they've got the Apple TVs, um, they can, you know, they're looking at ways to work out. I mean, you can only go out for a run within 5Ks of your house. So, <laughs> people like you down in Victoria, uh, I can imagine if you've if you've got an Apple Watch and that sort of stuff you'd, and you're an Apple fan, then you'd be signing up for Fitness Plus and, True. and getting yourself fit at home. Yeah. I think it's smart. It's it's, it's smart timing, I think, from Apple. Yeah, it's, it's also interesting to me because it's like, I mean, fitness is a very specific type of video, right? There's, I mean, there's obviously many types of videos that you can get access to on a, on a Netflix, for example. Um, yep. But I find these services interesting where they target a very specific type of video and then they can still charge a decent amount. Like $80 a year is, uh, I don't know, I can't work that out, whatever that is, six or seven dollars a, yeah. a month or something like that. It's like a decent amount. Um, and it, it just reminded me of a, there's a service in Australia called KO, which is strictly sport. Um, yeah. And I think that's maybe $15 a month. So I'm, I'm kind of, mm. it, I find it fascinating that these there's these really specific um, types of video streaming platforms that are now coming up. And I wonder if we're heading, I mean, I guess we are heading in that direction, right? Where you would have a number of different services that are targeted for whatever type of genre you prefer or um, whether mm. you're into fitness and you, and you want that on a, on a daily basis or whatever. So I find that interesting. Yeah. All of the different little Netflixes that are coming up that are, yeah. that are doing a little bit, something a little bit different. Um, but I think it yeah. makes sense as, as long as you, as long as whatever you do, your niche, you do it really well. Mm. Like, I mean, if, if you have the best sports streaming platform in the world and you've got access to, if you're just a massive sports fan, you got access to all these different sports in high definition, whatever, then fair enough. Like, that's awesome. Mm. Um, if, you know, and if Apple, if Fitness Plus turns out to be the best you know, solution to at-home workouts, fitness videos and, and whatever, then fair enough. Like, that's awesome. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that I think there's definitely a market for these very specific kind of streaming options to do well. Uh, I think that, yeah, they've just got to make sure that they do it, you know, do it well, obviously do it well enough that people feel like it's justified paying what they're, what they're paying. Mm. But like, I feel like, like I have a subscription to KO mm. um, and I watch motorsport and I watch footy uh, AFL and I watch cricket. And, you know, even just with the content that's on there, I feel like it's well worth the money that I'm paying each month just to be able to watch all those different sports live and in high definition and, you know, can replay them whenever I want. So, I think it's smart. I think it's a smart idea. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, Yeah. So, in terms of other things that they announced, um, they announced uh, an iPad Air, which is supposed to be a lighter version of the iPad and um, they updated the the design of um, the iPad Air. It's now looks very similar to the iPad Pro from last year where 
Um, it has the new design right. where it's just the whole screen, the whole front is is screen rather than having the button yep. and those huge bezels. Um, so that was something there. Um, they also announced Apple One, um, which uh, we knew was already coming out, but they kind of just spoke a little bit more about it. Um, Apple One being a bundle of six Apple subscriptions in one, hence the name. Um, so yep. that basically it, it's a way for you to subscribe to all of their, all six of their services, um, and pay a lower cost. So they have Apple music, uh, TV plus, which is kind of their Netflix, um, arcade, iCloud, uh, news plus, and then of course the new fitness plus. So, um, Apple one is a way that you can kind of, um, bundle all of those together. And I think it's very smart. It's a smart thing for Apple to do because oh, for sure. I, the way that I think about this is they generate less revenue from people who would subscribe to all of them anyway. So if there was someone out there who was subscribing to all six of these or was going to individually, um, then they make less money from those yeah. people. Um, but they make more money from people who would have only subscribed to one or two, but then think, oh, it's only an extra couple of dollars a month to add all the others may as well. And yeah. I think that's, I mean, it would be, that is the people who would only subscribe to one or two would be most people. Um, oh, so for overall, sure. yeah, yeah. they're able to generate more revenue while reducing the cost to the people who would have subscribed to everything. They're kind of the Apple fan boys, I guess the people who would, yep. who would buy everything that Apple has to offer. So it's an interesting dynamic. Um, I think, and a good way yeah. of, of generating more revenue. Um, we've seen a number of different companies do this, for example. I mean, a a Amazon, for example, with their Prime. Um, they just mm. bundle everything <laughs> in Prime. Yeah, exactly. You get yeah, free yeah, shipping, yeah. you get Prime Video, you get a bunch of other services. Um, mm. And it seems to be the way to go because most people mm. seem to just subscribe to the one thing that they want. And if you can kind of force them into paying a little bit more and getting everything, it, it seems to generate more revenue. Mm. And uh, and so much of what we've been talking about with Apple over the past few years is this whole idea of them building this switching moat as well. Mm. So you know if you know if you can offer this bundle and you know now you can have yeah, Apple Music and you can have you know iCloud. We'll give you heaps of iCloud storage and we'll give you fitness. Then I mean. It just helps people get further locked into mm. that <laughs> ecosystem, something that they just don't want to leave. And I mean, I feel like Apple at almost just do this bundling, just even if it didn't make them more money, just to try and lock more people into their ecosystem. Definitely. Um, no, I think that's an excellent point because, I mean, just to draw an example from that, you could have someone who has Apple Music, for example, and maybe Apple News, but now you might get them into iCloud, which is very hard to get out of if you're in it. Yeah. So you, you might have someone say that has Apple Music, but then they use Google Drive to store all their data, their photos and everything. Yeah, but yeah. if you can then suck them into iCloud, they're even more embedded in Apple's ecosystem or even getting mm -hmm. them from Spotify into Apple Music is another one that's a pain to, to transfer yeah. for all of your music across or to manually do it. So, yeah, I think it's mm -hmm. a really good point. I think um, it's just another way that Apple can keep you in the garden, in the walled garden. How, how <laughs> Apple owns your life. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, dear. Anyway, um, but yeah, overall, I mean, pretty interesting, but nothing revolutionary no. out of that event. I mean, I just, I, I've stopped paying too much attention to these events because you can basically predict what's going to happen before you even go in. It's going to be like they announce a refresh of one of their pre-existing products and <laughs> they make some sort of new app or some sort of new combo deal. <laughs> Pretty much. It's basically what, what Apple will, will do at an event or announce the revolutionary new iPhone 12 <laughs> <laughs> with the exact same design as last year and slightly better software and slightly better hardware. And slightly higher price. <laughs> yeah, not even slightly. No. <laughs> We're going to make you pay through your eyeballs. <laughs> that, that, that's one thing I'm curious about. We haven't seen the... The new iPhone. Well, I don't know when Apple releases their new iPhone. Yeah, is it, I don't is, know a little bit. But yeah, we haven't seen it yet, have we? No, I think it's a bit later in the year. I will be very curious to see if they still put a price increase on this iPhone because mm. I could not imagine. Because my theory, I guess, going into like everything that we've we've seen at the moment with the pandemic and the recession, my theory would be that they couldn't continue to raise their prices as they could when everything was going well, when the economy yeah. was doing really well, when everyone you know had really good. Um, was spending a lot of money in the economy. So my theory would be that they would have to not increase the price 
or, or yeah, so just maybe keep it the same or see a decrease. But whether they'll do that, I have no idea. That'll be something mm. I'm interested to see. Yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't couldn't even guess what's going to happen, whether they no. drop their prices or keep it the same. Um, I mean, there's a certain price that they have to put on it mm. just to make sure that their business kind of works. But um, Of course, yeah. But yeah, I, I've, I've got no idea. Um, I, I'd imagine they probably... I don't know how strong's their moat. It's pretty strong. It's pretty strong. I reckon they could just go same pricing as last year. Yeah, I think it would be pretty bold to increase it by two hundred dollars or something like that. Oh yeah, I, I I can't see them increase. That's that's true. I can't see them increasing it by heaps because the, that's what we've seen the last couple of years, right? It went from like a thousand to twelve hundred to fourteen hundred yeah. to sixteen hundred. Yeah. It it was going up quick. Very quickly, yeah. so I, that's that's where I'm 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 curious to see what happens. Uh, my bet mm. would be that there's, there's maybe a slight increase, maybe fifty dollars yeah. or something like that. But surely yeah, they enough. can't they can't put it over two thousand or something like that. That would just be mm. insane to me. But I guess we'll see what happens. Well, yeah, we'll see. Stranger things have happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on from the old Apple event. Um, U.S. Federal Reserve bit of a policy update uh, overnight. Mm. This was. Um, can you believe it? They announced that they're going to keep doing exactly what they have been doing. What? No way. <laughs> no way. <laughs> the headline is ultra easy monetary policy for years. I like it. Uh, it says here, overnight, the Fed kept interest rates at the target rate, which is 0 to 0.25%, as expected in its latest policy decision. The US central bank said it would also continue its bond buying program to stimulate the US economy. Um, yep, that's to be expected. Um, also, the Fed promised it would keep rates around zero until inflation is on track to moderately exceed its 2% inflation target uh, for some time. Oh, so, okay. There you go. Yeah. And new economic proje projections released with the policy statement showed that most policymakers uh, see the interest rates staying on hold till at least 2023. <sighs> Jeez, they're certainly, uh, certainly not messing around. They're just like, yep, we are here and we are here to help and uh, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. Man, this kind of makes me a little bit sad though, to be honest, because does it just mean we're just going to see inflated stock prices for the next like three years? Yeah, well, I mean, I, to me, it, it kind of makes sense because if there's no inflation, if there's no in, inflation in in you know the cost of living for people and people are struggling, then it makes sense to just keep printing, keep giving stimulus until there is yeah. inflation that needs to be controlled. Um, so I, I, I get it from that perspective, but also it probably means the stock market's going to have a, a tailwind that's very, very strong yeah. for at least the next few years. Um, but I mean, anything can happen. Um, sentiment can change things very quickly. If people feel as though, um, even with this kind of monetary policy that it's still not working, that we're heading into deflation, then you, we could still very well see a stock market that corrects, that people start to panic, that things are mm. not getting better, even though, uh, interest rates are at literally zero, that it's literally pretty close to free to borrow money. And it has been for a very long time. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's insane. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, very, very strange. Very, mm. very strange. Do you borrowing now? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's exactly what I was thinking. It's a good time to to buy a house or something. Buy a house, it, borrow some cash. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Such such low interest rates, record low interest rates. Yeah, um, it's. it's going to be fascinating to see what happens because obviously we mm. haven't lived through you know any extended period of time of change in interest rates so um yeah. we've just lived with basically really really low interest rates um and looking back historically we it would make sense for us to at least at some point in our lives see interest rates that are substantially higher or inflation that's substantially higher so um it's just yeah. strange yeah you know I was, I was talking to my parents the other day and mm. um, we're talking about when they bought their first, you know, before they were together, buying their first unit mm. or whatever it was. Um, now, saying that they bought it for something like fifty, sixty thousand dollars mm. And I was like, oh, you know, that just blew my mind, obviously, because now look at, you know, look at how much, a, you know, even a unit mm. costs, costs you hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm. Um, so, you know... 
I was just like, man, this this is insane. I, I would have bought all the units you possibly could at that point um, in hindsight. But then they're like, yeah, but one thing that you a lot of people like your age don't remember is that back then the interest rates were like 16%, <laughs> which yeah. is basically like you're borrowing a house on a credit card, yeah. essentially. Yeah. That's a good point. It is like a credit card, really. Because that's yeah, yeah, definitely. 100% it's like a credit card. That's pretty much the same interest rate you might get on a credit card. So, yeah, that puts things into context. You know, back then, yes, house prices were so cheap. And, you know, in an ideal world, you just would have bought as many as possible. But um, but to borrow that money was actually a really difficult task um, to try and, you know, and pay it back. Yeah. And I mean, it is one of the things I'm curious about is because since about the 80s, we've had obviously businesses have become more productive, which has driven stock prices higher. But also there's been that effect of interest rates coming down, um, which has, Mm. as you know, the cost to borrow has become cheaper you know, every single decade. Um, and the alternative of investing in a savings account that has become worse and worse over time. And if we're about to enter an environment where the opposite is true, where interest rates become more higher over time for a yeah. couple of decades, what kind of downward pressure is that going to put on on stock prices? That's what I'm curious about as well. I'm curious about yeah. a lot of things, a lot of things that I don't mm. understand. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I've got no idea what will happen. Um, well, obviously, I've got no idea just because you can't really predict, you know, the future and what's going to happen. But mm. I imagine that like as soon as interest rates show that they're going to start going up or the Fed comes out and says, no, nah, look, interest rates are probably going to start going up. I imagine that that will spook people like immediately. Yeah. I imagine that will take a fair bit of momentum out of, you know, property markets or stock markets or whatever. Yeah. But, well, uh, well, when was it that the market that the Federal Reserve in the US raised rates like 1%? or like 0.5% and the market went down like 20%. Was that in 2018 or 19? I'm not sure. I think I'm not sure. It was the end of one year. I think it was the end of 18. And then 2019 was a really strong year for the stock market. I think that's what happened. So I think it was in about September of of 2018. um, The Fed started to raise interest rates. They started to switch their monetary policy. They went from Mm. easing to tightening. And it went for about a month. And then the market went down 20% to the end of the year. Um, mm. Yeah, it was 2018. I, I remember Yeah, now. I'm looking at it now and it's risen from, well, in like 2010 or 2008, really, 2009 to 2016, it's basically at zero. Mm. And now, yeah, I'm watching it for 2018 spiked up to around 2 point, what's that, 2.4%, mm-hmm. something, somewhere around there. And then- now obviously come back down. Yeah, and they stopped that immediately. They were like, "Oh, can't do that." <laughs> oh right, yeah. It's it's yeah. So I mean that that just uh, plays into exactly what you just said. That you would if that's how sensitive it is at the moment. Imagine if there's inflation and they have to raise it three percent, four percent. Yeah, that'd be interesting. But yeah, it's just will we see this inflation? <laughs> Yeah, I don't it's been, know. It's been a lot, and and yeah. that's the thing is that no one really knows because no. even economists right now um, are battling whether we're going to see deflation or inflation as different parts of the supply demand equation play out differently and different countries play out differently with the whole lockdown scenario and whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, who knows? It's just a big question mark at this point, I think. Yeah. But um a yeah. big question anyway, mark. <laughs> big question mark. But yeah, so from this story, certainly doesn't look like the Fed is uh, is going to change their mind um, unless maybe there's rampant, I don't know, inflation or something. Yeah. Who knows? Um, all right. Shall we move on? Yeah, we, we've got some um, travel related news kind of following on from some of the Virgin Australia stuff we've spoken about Ooh, over sweet. the past few weeks. Um, you got some good uh, good discounts, good deals on uh, international flights, do you? Um, unfortunately not. No. Oh, um, no. Yeah. So, um, so last week, I think it was last week that we spoke about Bain Capital <laughs> yeah, becoming the new owners of, of Virgin Australia. Um, yeah. So, one thing that they've done this week since being the new owners is they've discontinued the Tiger Air brand. So, um, that's an Australian brand wow. um, that Australians would know, but I'm not sure many people internationally would know of them. Pretty small brand. Um, yeah. But basically, they did domestic budget 
air lo- air travel in Australia. So yeah. really, the cheapest known, known as being the cheapest of cheap. <laughs> just the, yeah, yeah. This the, yeah. We'll just say cheapest. We'll, we, won't, we, won't, we won't describe it in any other way. No, but um, yeah, very very cheap um, air travel. Um, it was founded in. I did a little bit of research. It was founded in two thousand and seven, um, and then it, it, in uh, Singapore, and then it became a subsidiary of Virgin Australia. Um, right. So it was a smaller business within Virgin Australia. Um, and then as we spoke about over the past couple of weeks, Virgin Australia went into voluntary administration. They couldn't pay their debts. Um, and uh, yeah, if you want more information on that, we've spoken about it on a number of episodes. So um, go check out some of those mm. episodes if you want some more background on that. But um, short story, long story short, uh, Bain Capital is now the new owner and they discontinued the Tiger Air brand. And I just headed over to the Tiger Air website because I was kind of wanted to see if they provided any information to consumers that would be important yep. to know. Um, and they basically said, if you have travel credits, then they will be, you can use them for Virgin flights in the future. So that they basically transfer over. Um, but then one thing I was kind of curious about was whether the Virgin brand will now offer comparable cheap flights because in the past, yeah. the Tiger brand had been the really cheap flights and then Virgin was, you know, pretty moderate to expensive, right? It was in line with Qantas's main brand um, yeah. that if you, you know, if you're flying with Qantas or Virgin, it was substantially more cheap, expensive, let's say, than a Jetstar yeah. Yeah. or um, a, a Tiger Air. Um, so that's what I'm curious about, whether the Virgin brand will now have cheaper flights or whether Qantas's Jetstar will just be the only domestic budget airline in Australia, because there's, I don't think there's any others, right? I, yeah, no, it's, it's a, yeah, I don't think so. It's an interesting question. Yeah. Could you have Qantas at one end? Yeah. I, I don't know because you could, if they don't play their cards right, they could be stuck in the middle. You could have Qantas at one end, which offers the best service at the most expensive price. Jetstar at the other end, which offers, you know, basic service at a very cheap price. And then Virgin could just be stuck in the middle where they offer medi- kind of medium level service at a medium price. And I feel like I feel like if you're flying, you either want the good service or you want the cheap service. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you kind of commit, right? When you, when, whenever you're booking a flight, you, you decide, you think- Okay, is this yeah. a cheap flight? Am I saving money for other the rest of the holiday? Or is it a long flight that I'm not comfortable with? So I just want comfort, that I just want the yeah. best service. That's kind of where yeah, you are. I want to take off at nine o'clock, not five thirty yeah, in the morning. Exactly. Yeah. Like I don't want to wake up yeah. at two AM and have a six hour layover and <laughs> Exactly. Some yeah, yeah, yeah. Airport. So, no, nah, so true. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there there could be some potential then. I feel like Generally speaking, most consumers look for cheaper air travel as opposed to, you know, more, uh, I don't know, uh, schedule fitting. Yeah. I mean, certainly for domestic uh, as well, right? Yeah. For for domestic. I don't know if I've ever booked- I've always looked for the cheapest when it comes to domestic. Always. When it's international, because yeah. th- it's a longer flight, you're thinking you want something that's not going to be horrible. You, you, don't, nice, you don't want a nightmare yeah. experience where like if you want a glass of water, they're going to charge you $3 or something. <laughs> 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 so, yeah. Um, yeah. So, like international, always looking for something good and something that suits the times. But for domestic, always cheap for me. I don't know if that's just me, but yeah. Mm. Always the cheapest because it's only a couple hours in Australia. Yeah. Like what's the worst domestic flight? Like six hours maybe. Yeah. I don't know. What is the worst domestic flight from where to where? It would or the longest. It would have to be Melbourne somewhere. Worst. Melbourne to Northern Perth? Territory. Perth. Yeah. Probably Perth. Darwin. Yeah. Probably. Darwin or, which, or Darwin or Perth. From? One of those would yeah. be the longest. It'd be like five hours, wouldn't it? Six hours. Yeah. I think about I five know. or six if, hours. If, What's that's that's the challenge to everyone listening today. <laughs> what is the longest plane flight, domestic plane flight in Australia? Leave it in the comments section on the YouTube version because I'm actually interested to know. Yeah, I've got no idea. Yeah, I imagine it, it's got to be. Oh, would it be or would it be Sydney? Because I'm trying oh, to think. The actually, furthest... maybe it could be Queensland to Perth or something like that. You think? I'm just thinking. If I'm just trying to draw straight lines yeah. across <laughs> Australia and think about what what the longest distance is, because yeah. Perth is west and down the bottom. Actually, so it might be like Perth to like Cairns. Maybe are we forgetting Tasmania though? 
we go Tasmania. Yeah, but Tasmania is still straight, straight down. Mm. Would it would it be longer? Do you think going? <laughs> it's, it's getting so off topic. <laughs> do you think would it be longer going from like Perth, mm. which is west down the bottom, to Cairns, which is east up the top? Mm-hmm. Do you think that would be longer, or do you think Tasmania all the way down the bottom up to Darwin would be longer? Yeah, I I don't know. Across? I don't know. Surely across. I feel like across and on a diagonal, yeah. that would have to be the longest flight possible that'll, in that'll Australia. That would be my bet. Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> Let us Let know us who's know. right. Surely there's someone listening that's like a, an airline pilot or something. Yeah. Somewhere. Surely there's someone. <laughs> we we want to know. This this is the most important question of this week. Calling on all pilots. <laughs> <laughs> all pilots to your stations. <laughs> all right. Um, anyway, so I, we had some- Yeah, so- sorry. <laughs> <laughs> What are we talking about? I don't know. Something um, about Bain Capital. Yeah, so the Tiger Air brand's <laughs> gone. Um, but the, the positive <laughs> is that you can transfer your credits. That was kind of where I was going with that story. All oh, right. Um, but Sorry, the, there's a There's a negative, <laughs> si- I guess, a negative side to this, but it's not in relation to Virgin. It's just another travel company. Um, oh, right. So, okay. STA Travel, STA Travel um, yep. is also now in administration. Um, it didn't Ooh, say okay. whether it was voluntary or involuntary. So I, I was okay. kinda I kinda wanted to know whether it was involuntary, but I guess we don't really know. Yeah. Um so they're struggling. Um and So it's like a jet star, it's like a travel agent. Correct, yeah. So it's not an airline, yeah. it's a travel agency. Um did a little bit of research on this one as well and it was f- Sorry, did I say jet star? I meant to say flight center. Yes, yeah, flight center. Yeah, like yeah. flight center. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was founded in nineteen seventy one, which I did not know. I did not know this company was that old. Um, cause it's not that big. It's kind of relatively small. They have 200 stores globally. Um, okay. and it's also owned right. by a Swedish company called DKSH Holdings. Oh, so I did not know <laughs> that. I had no idea. Yeah. So I d- didn't know any of that. Um, and yeah, so they collapsed this week due to the pandemic. Um, like a lot of travel companies were struggling at the moment, particularly yeah. in leisure travel where most of their business is people holidaying. Um, a lot of that has just been stopped, particularly in Australia, right? Right. <laughs> I don't think you can even, yeah. I'm not sure. What, what can you do in other states at the moment? Can you travel to other states if you're in Canberra? Yeah, I think can? I can go, uh, I don't know. It's like some states, yes, some states, no. Right, yeah. I mean, here in the ACT, we can definitely go to New South Wales because otherwise we're, <laughs> we're like, lit- we're literally trapped. Yeah. Um, uh, but I don't know. I think like you, you can go like I know you can go to to like South Australia, but you have to jump through hoops. I yeah. mean, they, basically, they're just making it hard. And, and, and yeah. there's probably quarantine for two weeks in some two states. week quarantine. Yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. pain anyway. So big struggle for um, leisure travel companies. Um, and the big thing that I got out of this story, the kicker is that. Uh, they said the company made a statement and said that customers will not be getting any refunds on trips that they cancelled because of COVID. So obviously a lot of customers had booked their travel through STA travel um, and then Mm. COVID came along, everything had to be cancelled, but customers won't be getting any refunds on those, which is uh, brutal. Brutal. It's uh, really rough. I was very fortunate. I I booked a holiday for mid-year through Airbnb um, and they've provided us with a refund. Well, they provided us with credit, so presuming they don't fold. <laughs> um, nah, I which don't I reckon. Don't, not Airbnb. I, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. This is kind of what happens when um, there's a complete shutdown in an industry. It can be man, that's brutal. Really no negative. refund, no credit, nothing. Yeah, it's brutal for the owners, obviously, because the company's got folding. For um, everyone. It's brutal for the customers, brutal for the staff. I think they said that so far they'd closed in administration trying to organize their their funds. They closed 27 stores, I think, or 26 stores. Um, so, obviously, there's a number of staff that have been laid off through that. And, um, mm. I mean, just the fact that they're in administration and I presume none of their stores are open at the moment or very few would be open. Um, mm. Most of their staff would have would have been in trouble there as well. So, yeah, yeah terrible definitely. situation. Damn. Damn. Oh, yeah. It's, it's another one, you know, the coronavirus takes its toll, takes another one. Yeah. It's unfortunate, really. Yeah. And I mean, I guess the, the longer that it goes on, 
the more companies that will be in trouble, obviously, naturally. That, that, yeah. that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, oh, it's just so sad. I mean, I hate it. Like these are, I like these companies because at the end of the day, I think I've said this on the podcast before, I like companies where kind of their their end product is fun. <laughs> it's like, is, is people having a good time and enjoying themselves like a travel company or, you know, whatever it might be, like EB Games or an arcade or something like that. I mean, at the end of the day, they're just... They're just their product is something that's really enjoyable. I hate seeing companies like that going under because yeah. I think we need more cool stuff, more fun stuff in the world. But I think obviously it's just uh, the world is cruel. Yeah, and I mean what usually yeah. happens when companies like this go bankrupt is uh, the bigger travel companies kind of absorb the parts of these businesses and the bigger the bigger companies yeah. that have a, a better established position <laughs> take a little bit more market share. Um, and while that's obviously yeah. good if you're invested in that company, it's generally not a good thing to see less competition in an industry, mm. <laughs> generally speaking. Yeah. So, uh, that's kind of another negative thing that kind of comes out of it. Unless you're the mm. shareholder in one of the bigger companies, then it's a good thing because <laughs> you have a little bit yeah, more market definitely. share. <laughs> it's, yeah, those sort of like monopoly, great yeah. for shareholders, bad for consumers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, what I was thinking about from that example was just Amazon at the moment. I'm sure there's a lot of brick and mortar stores that are going under at the moment and all of those customers are looking somewhere to buy those products and a lot of them mm. are going to Amazon now uh, which means Amazon yeah. just gets a little bit bigger every time a small brick and mortar retailer or any other kind of retailer doesn't survive through this so yeah you're welcome Jeff Bezos <laughs> <laughs> speaking about rich people mm. Um, so we got, we got controversial last week talking about that, uh, that privacy stuff. Yeah. Um, here's our, here's our, uh, controversial topic for the week. <laughs> this is a tweet from Bernie Sanders. Did you see it? Uh, no, I haven't seen this tweet. What's the, yeah. what's the tweet? Um, well, I'll read it to you. First of all, we like, we don't try and get political. Like it's not, it's not my place to try and convince you of one political opinion or another, but like, I'll call B, I'll call BS when I see it, like for sure. <laughs> Uh, this tweet reads, this this really infuriates me because on one side, it seems like seems all well and good. And on the other side, it just really frustrates me. So anyway, here's the tweet. Bernie Sanders, he says, we can no longer tolerate a system that allows a billionaire like Elon Musk to gain $10.3 billion in one day, while 30 million unemployed workers are denied $600 a week to pay the rent and put food on the table. We need an economy that works for all, not just the 1%. Hashtag tax the rich. And this... To be honest, like I'll be perfectly honest, this tweet, and I, I actually really like Bernie Sanders when he was like running and still in the race. I was like, yeah, get around him. Like this guy, he's he actually stands for something. Like I can respect that he stands for something, and I totally agree that obviously, like there's a big problem. Thirty million are unemployed, and you know, den being denied payments, and that's that's obviously a big issue. But the fact that he starts that by saying we can't tolerate a system where a billionaire like Elon Musk can gain $10.3 billion in one day. That infuriates me so much because, first of all, Elon Musk does not make $10.3 His net worth increases by $10.3 in one day, but it's all based on the fact that he owns shares in a business that he has worked incredibly hard to build. Mm. And it's just the fact that, that the only reason that that 10 billion uh, unrealized gain happened was because the stock price went up. And it's like, that's just, I mean, if, if Elon's doing his job and investors want to buy Tesla stock and Tesla stock's going up through the roof, then like, fair enough. That's where the $10.3 billion comes from. But I hate the way this tweet preys on people that don't understand how the stock market works to make them get fired up against someone like Elon Musk, who in my opinion, is one of the most influential people doing as most good for humanity as possible right now. Mm. And he just uses that to fuel a political message. So that just really frustrated me. I don't know. What's your take on this? Yeah. I mean, it it doesn't really make any sense to to look at it as if Elon Musk has gained $10.3 billion. Because what's, what's really happened is there's just a free market of people wanting to invest in Tesla and people were willing to pay substantially more one day after the other day, after the yeah, previous exactly. day. Um, it's not, I mean, he's not selling those shares. Um, so, 
It's not exactly. as if he actually has that it, money. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it just it just demonstrates a lack of understanding of, of, of markets. I mean, the, the fact that his wealth can go up like that is just is always going to be a function of a market where you can have people invest in your business, where people can get exactly. outside money to grow a business. And um, I mean, you could look at pockets of the free market, certainly, and say, look, that's a place where... Um, it, you know, it works in a, in a negative way where people are contributing to a problem. Um, but I don't think you could say the same is true for what Elon Musk and Tesla are doing. That's my take mm. on it, at least. Yeah. Um, I got very frustrated. Yeah. I, I, I mean, saw one, sorry, no, you go. I was just going to say one, one last thing. I mean, it, it's certainly arguable that you could, you could increase capital gains tax, that you could increase um, brokerage taxes, that you could increase income taxes or corporate taxes. Yep. That, that's certainly yep. a debate that needs to, needs to be had to make sure mm, that yeah. there's a fair distribution of money to people who are, are disproportionately impacted by, um, you know, the capitalistic system. Um, yep, that's certainly, an, that's, yep. that's an argument to be made. Um, and I think a lot of billionaires are in the position where when it comes to things like taxation, they're absolutely happy to be taxed at a higher rate. It's not like, yeah. but at the end of the day, they're going to push, they're, they're going to, you know, be always at the edge of the, of the tax system. They're going to mm. take as much, keep as much as they can based on what the rules are. So if you want to change the rules, fine, but this is, this does just, it doesn't make any sense. Um, because no. unless you're going to start a tax on unrealized gains, which is incredibly dangerous because that's, that's almost, almost stupidity. I it would is say. stupidity because imagine like, I mean, at the moment, the reason why Tesla stocks going up substantially, I would say at least for a, a big part of it is speculation. So yeah, if you're, if definitely. you're having a tax on unrealized gains, then what if the stock goes up a ton, Elon Musk's mm. bill tax bill goes up and then the stock comes down. He doesn't have any, yeah. like not, he hasn't gained or lost any money in that. It's just an unrealized gain and loss. So, um, mm. yeah, I don't know. That's and that's <laughs> the thing. One of the things with Elon Musk is that he's gone on the record and, and this is something that's well known about him. He doesn't have a huge amount of liquid assets. No. Like he doesn't have billions and billions stashed in a bank account somewhere. Basically, all of, in fact, he is in quite a bit of personal debt yeah. because he tries, like, he uses his Tesla stock as collateral to get more money to fund different projects. So, he he doesn't even have a, like a lot of of money, a lot of cash in the bank to go blow on houses and cars and whatever. Um, but imagine a a scenario where you know if there was a a, a tax on. Um, on on just your net worth going up, so unrealized gains, and Elon has to sell X percent of his position in his own company just to pay a tax that was fueled on people speculating and pushing that stock price of his company up really high. Mm. To me, that just sounds bonkers. Could you get a, a, a situation where eventually he has to pay so much unrealized gains tax or net worth tax that he actually has to sell basically his entire stake in his own company? And what are the implications of that happening? I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I Look, the way I look at, at investing in the free market is you can invest your money wherever you want. You can invest in Tesla if you like what they're doing. Um, and in that way, you yourself are contributing to distributing money to where you think society should go. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, obviously, on top of that, there's a, there's a necessity for a government to to redistribute to other areas in the economy and into human life. Um, but I, I think that's a cool function. I think it's a cool function yeah. that you can put your money where you think the world, how you think the world should look in the future. Yeah. Um, where you think it will look. Or the yeah. way you think it will look. Yeah. And if it works out the way you think, then you'll make money. And if you get it wrong, then you will lose money. Yeah. And Elon Musk is an, one of a very few people who are incredibly efficient at managing money. And, and allocating mm. capital is the way to think about yeah. it, I think. Um, organizing people in a group and allocating capital so that things can get built and that things can improve yeah. the human life. Innovation one of the best people at doing it. Um, yeah. So it doesn't bother me at all that he has control of a lot of capital or access to a lot of capital. Mm. Yeah. No, it doesn't bother me either. <laughs> I just get frustrated when people spread th i mean this is this is essentially from bernie this this tweet is literally just propaganda it's just twisting a uh, twisting a, a phrase to make it 
advance your political agenda, basically. So for that, I was disappointed. And I think we've raised some good points there, but I'd love to hear what you guys think about this tweet as well. Um, it's it's very interesting. It's very interesting. So yeah, head on over to the YouTube version of, uh, of the podcast and let us know what you think. Hmm. Um, there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot of issues in there to unpack, but um, Anyway, should we uh, should we finish up, move on? Maybe we'll just do one Q&A question and then bounce. How does that sound? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, yeah, I can read one to you. Um, sure. All right. I'll read this first one to you. Um, it's a little bit of a long sure. one, but um, have you ever or would you ever pass up an opportunity to invest more heavily into a business that you already owned to maintain a certain balance within your portfolio? And then um, they've provided an example. So, for example, if you already had 20 to 30% of your portfolio within one stock, and you had mm. the opportunity to purchase more at a lower price than your original entry, uh, would you pass up that opportunity purely because you were already overweight that business, that you already had a high percentage yeah. in that business? This is a really good question. And to me, uh, for me anyway, the answer is no, I would not pass up that opportunity. Um, yeah. I'm not a huge um huge fan of, you know, specific balancing in, in portfolios or certain levels of diversification. Um, I, I subscribe a little bit to Monish Prabhai's view on kind of portfolio allocation is that, you know, if, if you're faced with maybe you've got five stocks in your portfolio and say all of them or let's say four stocks in your portfolio, all of them are at 25%. And that's a great balance. You feel comfortable with that 25% in each, you know, nothing's overweighted versus another one. And then, you know, one of these stocks that you love the most and you just absolutely believe in it much more than the other three is now on a super, super special versus the other three that are just, you know, chugging along normally. Like you still love those companies, but they're not on this crazy discount fire sale. Then like I... I, there's no way that I could pass up that opportunity. Um, I would definitely invest, you know, I, I basically just want to invest in whatever the best looking deal is for, you know, for the money that I've got. Yes, I want to maintain some level of diversification. Like I'd be sweating bullets if I had all my money sunk into one stock. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm not so much like I need this amount here and this amount there and this amount there that, you know, if, I'm, if I've got this, you know, deal staring me right in the face, say Facebook's at a hundred bucks or something like that, um, or Disney's at 40 bucks, it's not like I'm not going to be like, no, nah, no, nah, I can't buy it. I'm definitely, <laughs> I'm definitely going to take advantage. Yeah. Um, what do you think? No, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I think um, I, I have... In my, I guess I don't really have a specific number in mind, but I do have a limit. I, I know I would have a limit for how big a position could be. I don't know. Maybe it's 50%. Maybe it's 30%. I don't actually know what it is because I've never gotten there before. Mm. Um, but there, there yeah. would be a point where I felt uncomfortable. And I think that's kind of where I would stop um, if I felt yeah. if I had. But it would be pretty high. It'd probably be like 35% or 40%. Then maybe I'm thinking, okay, I know it's still cheap, but if this, if I'm wrong, I lose a lot of money. Um, yeah, so there's a lot in, of downside. Yeah, risk. in that case, yeah. you know, I have a little bit of an of a maximum, but it, I would let it go pretty far. And I guess the other thing to mention is, if you're investing in a company and you have 20% of your portfolio in it, and then it falls another 50%, um, it's not going to be 20% of your portfolio anymore. It's going to be a smaller percentage, presuming True. everything else has continued to go up or everything else has not gone down as much. Um, so in that way, you can kind of top it up as it goes down. Um, and the percentage wouldn't get out of control. But yeah, I mean, the overarching principle or philosophy is if the deal is better and it's a re it was a really good deal when you originally bought, um, now if it's gone down another 20, 30%, it must be a really, really good deal. Um, yeah, for sure. Which means you wouldn't want to, <laughs> to miss that opportunity, particularly if there's no other opportunities to, to go into. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I was uh, I was surprised. I thought that potentially we might have different answers for that one, but nope, pretty much nope. the same. Yeah, that's that's the case with most of. Oh, we don't really differ in our investing strategies too much, do we? We're pretty much the same. No, we're we're pretty much the same. I mean, the overarching philosophy is certainly the same. Definitely um, the same. I guess we've had the same kind of mentors. We've read yeah. the same books. We've watched the same interviews and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so pretty much. So fair enough. But I, I definitely like whatever confirmation bias or whatever, but I definitely feel like when it comes to active investing, individual stock selection, we have, we have found the 
like a very robust strategy. I don't think that even throughout my investing career, I don't think the underlying principles in my active investing strategy are going to change too much. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they will, but I, I, I feel like the way that we approach things is is pretty pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think, I mean, I, I think Warren Buffett's principles can, uh, it's not as if we have like a, a trading strategy, right? Or like some very specific set of things that we do. It's not like it's, a formula it's, or yeah, something or like, like numbers. Yeah, and, I mean, no. I think I think the way that we go about following the philosophies will change as um, you know, as things change over yeah. time, but the core philosophies will always be true. I think that, you, you know, yeah. you, like for example, that you're, you're trying to get more back uh, or trying to estimate yeah, what you can flows. get back in terms of real cash um, yeah. relative to what you're paying. That's something that's going to be, that's timeless. Um, yeah, exactly. Regardless of whether the types of businesses that you're investing in change or whatever. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, let's finish it up yeah. there. Thanks. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone, as per usual. Um, yeah, we definitely always appreciate the hour of your time that you give us each week. So we, we genuinely do appreciate it. And uh, and let us know if you have any questions that you'd like us to, to run through or answer in the next uh, podcast, then head over to the YouTube version of the podcast. And that is at, what is it? YouTube.com forward slash The Young Investor Correct. Podcast. That's it. Yep. And uh, and drop us a comment. Uh, if you've got any uh, got any news topics that you'd like us to discuss or anything, anything that you think might uh, contribute to the conversation, then let us know about it. Um, but apart from that... That, uh, that is just about it for today. So thanks always, Hamish, for joining me. Thanks for having me. Um, thanks to ShareSite, as always, for sponsoring. Um, and that'll do us. Thanks very much to you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Have a good weekend.